0: National Door Association's Doorcast. The IDA DoorCast will provide news and notes from the building and remodeling industry and tips and tidbits to help you improve your business. Now, here's your doorcast host, IDA Executive Director, Mike Fisher. Hello, everybody. This is Mike Fisher, IDA Executive Director. Welcome to the Winding Bar Cafe. We have a very special guest today, Michael J. Fisher is the IDA lobbyist in Florida, and Mike is with the Legis Group in Tallahassee. Mike has been working on an issue for us for about two and a half years for an exemption for sales tax collections for impact-rated garage doors in Florida. Before we talk about that, Mike, welcome to the IDA DoorCast today. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about your company, the Legis Group.
1: The Legis Group is a boutique firm based in Tallahassee, Florida, uh, that was founded by Rob Shank and Doug Holder, who were both two former members of the Florida House. Uh, there are five members of the firm, including myself. And uh, basically what we do is we work with our clients on uh, consulting and lobbying the uh, legislative executive and cabinet branches of state government here in Tallahassee.
0: Wonderful, Mike. How long have you been engaged in lobbying in Tallahassee?
1: I have been lobbying in Tallahassee uh, almost 20 years Wonderful. So we're obviously want
0: to talk about the sales tax exemption for impact rated product. Now, this actually came to us three sessions ago, if I recall. What started our journey to get to this point?
1: Well, our journey was started by Senator uh, Joe Gruters from Sarasota, Florida, who has always taken an interest in this issue. And it uh, it began with language he had based on home hardening to help with damage from windows.
0: So it started out as a an idea to help provide some tax benefit to homeowners if they were going to purchase replacement windows—is that correct? Yes. So after that, the bill language was, was expanded, right? We brought in impact-rated garage doors to be included as part of that package.
1: Yeah, we worked with Senator Gruters and his office to uh, add the doors, and you know, we're able to convince him of the value of a tax break on those as well as part of his overall plan of home hardening. Like I said, worked with his staff on that, and uh, they were very, very receptive to any ideas uh, we had. They were actually more than happy to add in uh, language that we suggested to uh, make sure that this really was impacting impact doors.
0: That's a joke I've made many times. We want to make sure the impact of the impact product is right. Yeah, so I get it. It's it's hard to let that one slide, isn't it? It is. We did make progress. As you mentioned, We we had some amendments that we were able to get through. the original bill but then we had a brief interruption or some would say a two-year interruption what exactly happened we were getting that ready to go across the goal line and, and then what happened
1: well the problem with the uh first year was obviously like a lot of other things unfortunately across the country was covid uh the legislature was cleared to do this and what happened is there was As we were wrapping up our legislative session was kind of when the world was beginning to shut down and our legislature wisely that year uh, between what the House and Senate did as far as severe reductions and what they wanted to do. And then the governor ended up vetoing a ton of items uh, once the budget reached his desk, sort of we've got kind of got caught up in the world shut down financially as well.
0: So thanks once again to the COVID-19 pandemic, we had to set this aside as Florida focused on the more urgent matters at hand, which was the health and safety of the citizens of Florida. Now we've gotten through that, however, and it seems to me that we've seen an increase in the desire, not just from Senator Gruters, of course, but from other legislators and even the governor's office to try to bring forward some initiatives related to home hardening and, and, and trying to deal with a built environment in terms of the existing building stock in Florida it's a basic question mike why does home hardening matter to the state legislature in florida
1: well the first thing i'm going to begin with because it's it's kind of the most simple is uh we were lucky enough in florida this year to have uh, a significant amount more money than we have in the past uh the final budget ended up being 112 billion dollars with that kind of financial flexibility they were able to do a lot more with priorities that uh, they might not have been able to do in the past. And this ended up being one of those things.
0: What other issues are related to home hardening, natural disasters, for example?
1: Well, of course, uh, you know, in Florida, we are always very, very uh, nervous about hurricanes. You know, I've actually heard a couple jokes this week about how hurricane season is right around the corner. And whenever somebody makes one of those, you just kind of give them a dirty look and move on. But there's obviously last year that, uh, The condo collapse in South Florida, Surfside, really, you know, outside of natural disasters, sort of shown a a new perspective on, you know, why home hardening is important and kind of amplified our efforts to say, hey, you know, while these natural disasters are happening, you know, there are other things as well that lead into it. And it just, it led to an overall feeling this year that, you know, we want to do something. We want to make sure that this state is prepared no matter what the
0: disaster is. Well, you mentioned hurricanes, but that's not all that's on the table for Florida. There have been wildfire issues, for example.
1: Yeah, and it's, uh, it's kind of funny. The, uh, not funny, but the appropriations chair in the House of Representatives is from Panama City. And that's where the wildfires started a couple of weekends ago. And ironically enough, it was the last weekend of uh, the budget conferencing when they were ironing out all the details. He actually had to leave Tallahassee for a couple of days and go over there and help coordinate relief efforts. So, timing wise, it, it worked out really well that while the legislature was debating a lot of these things, once again, uh, a disaster type thing that leads to home hardening popped up.
0: Well, thanks for that additional background. And we know from our history of looking into issues that affect the performance of garage doors in the marketplace. We can go back as far as Hurricane Andrew in 1992, and the the FEMA report that came out of that event, which was titled Building Performance in Florida, it actually highlighted the performance of garage doors and what happens to a home when the garage door is damaged and the opening is breached, how that opening allows for the pressurization of the entire structure, which can lead to roof blow-off and a lot of other damage to the home. So the garage door is actually an important piece in that Puzzle of keeping the house intact during a high wind event. So we have looked at that from many other hurricanes, Aaron, Opal, Katrina, Michael, et cetera, et cetera. And the FEMA message has consistently been for all exterior openings to make sure that they're gonna they're gonna do a good job, they're gonna stay in place. So that includes both wind resistance and impact resistance. So it's I think it's great that Senator Gruders took this to heart and make sure that when home hardening was brought to the state legislature as part of this, that impact resistant doors, windows, and of course, garage doors were brought into the table.
1: Yeah, like I said, his office could not have been more receptive when we sat down and talked with them and basically gave them the argument that you just outlined. It was a lot of head nodding and high-fiving. They were absolutely happy to do it, understood why it was important, and uh, have been committed to it since Gruters has been moving this for the last three years.
0: So a little code lesson here for our listeners, the state of Florida is really divided into two parts, the area of the state where impact rated openings are required and the area where it's not. So from my perspective, what this sales tax exemption will do is in the impact rated areas where that's already a requirement, it will help homeowners who want to replace their garage door with a little bit of a relief in terms of the sales tax portion of the cost of doing that door replacement. But in the other parts of the state where impact resistance is not part of the Florida building code, it could actually result in people who are not required to comply with those impact rated requirements because they're located farther away from the coastline and the impact requirements are not in their local codes. This will hopefully help spur them to upgrade their product and go above and beyond the code. Was that part of Senator Grutter's intent when he brought this forward?
1: Absolutely. And I think it will. Uh, the you know, the Florida budget every year, including this tax package that this item was included in, gets a lot of media attention. It gets written about, it gets talked about on television and on the internet. So I, I think there, it's going to, a lot of folks are going to see this, and I think it will spur them to do that.
0: The interesting part of this, Mike, is that in many reports, FEMA has recommended to Florida and to other states that are affected by hurricanes and high wind events that they should provide a way to incentivize this very action. So what uh, this bill does and the prior bills that we've been working on, what it really accomplishes is the mission and the recommendations that have come out of FEMA on how to help homeowners harden or improve the performance of their, of their homes. And by providing that financial incentive to do that, that will hopefully help spur an improvement in the building stock in Florida. So I think it's, it's a great measure. We obviously support the action. So as we look back a little bit on the history, as you mentioned earlier, when we were working with Senator Gurus on this before, the amendments that we made to the prior bills included some specific references to the Florida Billing Code provisions for impact-rated products. And Senator Gurus took our recommendations and put those into the other bills. But what happened with this tax package, and correct me if I'm wrong, because of the size of the bill and the number of other bills that were kind of rolled into this tax package, a lot of that other language was left out of the bill. Is that typical as Florida legislature puts together their tax package?
1: Yes, it is. And there's a couple different reasons for that. Um, number one, the tax package is being done uh, while they're wrapping up the overall budget as well. They're kind of run parallel together. So it happens very, very quickly. A lot of times staff doesn't have the time to look at every individual bill and every individual caveat of these things. So that's where rulemaking comes in at the agency level later. And like you said, it's, it's a huge bill with a lot of different things in it, and they just generalize it and sort of figure that they'll clean it up later. Well, you mentioned
0: rulemaking, and in fact, the term of this bill, according to HB 7071, which is the tax package, here we are in mid-March, essentially, that's not a lot of time. And yet the bill does include language that says that the Department of Revenue will adopt through emergency rulemaking, the rules and regulations for how this sales tax exemption gets applied. Is that something that we really need to pay
1: attention to? Absolutely. Uh, Once the governor receives this bill and signs it into law, he is certainly expected to not veto this. He is always a big proponent of the tax cut package. Um, The Department of Revenue will conduct rulemaking sessions where, you know, and that's their job, where they take a look at legislative intent, what the legislature wanted to do, and make sure that it all comes out specific in the way that it was supposed to, and that it's locked down pretty good. So that is something we will definitely want to keep an eye on to make sure that uh, the language is correct and all the technical aspect of it is correct as well.
0: Obviously, IDA wants to make sure that the state of Florida gets what they paid for, because this comes at an expense to the Florida budget, right? It's a reduction in Potentially, it's a reduction in sales tax revenue. So we believe that the leadership of the state of Florida who went out on a limb for this deserve to get what they paid for, literally. So what I'm hearing you say is you're recommending that we work with the Department of Revenue, provide additional information on why they should make sure that they set the right standards so that we can put a box around the sales tax exemption to make sure that, as you said, the legislative intent is fulfilled.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I think it shows uh, what a priority it was for the legislature this year, because in years past, we've been part of the disaster sales tax holiday, which operates in a two-year window, sort of to encourage people to buy generators and things of that nature uh, to prepare mainly for hurricane season. Because of the commitment to hardening, they decided to go ahead and make it a two-year tax exemption on impact-resistant garage doors and windows to really encourage people to go out and do this and give people the opportunity and the time to get it done. So it is definitely a priority of the legislature. They sent that message loud and clear. And I think the role that IDA could play in making sure that everything from the technical aspects is done right, uh, the legislature would certainly appreciate that. And hopefully the governor will as well. And hopefully the governor. And you did
0: mention that it was a two-year term for this sales tax exemption. And we don't know what will happen two years from now, but we can certainly see how this plays out. The interesting thing I, I would say about this, you mentioned generators. Another one of the provisions in the typical, the sales tax holiday for hurricane preparedness has been blue tarps. So blue tarp is what you do when a product doesn't perform or is damaged because of a storm specifically roofing that blows off during a high wind event, so you're covered up with a blue tarp. What this is actually doing is getting the true meaning of preparedness, because now you're actually telling the homeowner, don't wait till you have a damaged garage door, and then we will give you a sales tax credit for the plywood to fill up your hole in your wall. Let's go ahead and fix it ahead of the storm and allow you to upgrade your product in some cases or replace your existing product if you're already in an impact zone according to the Florida Building Code. I think that's a pretty significant shift in policy. Not, we're not just going to patch up what gets damaged. We're going to try to prevent damage. Was that part of the intent that Senator Gurus was bringing forward?
1: With uh, disaster prep, you know, that's always key is it's better to be prepared with that stuff. And hopefully we can save the state some money on the uh, blue tarp tax exemptions by doing this.
0: So let me get this straight. An ounce of prevention truly is worth a pound of cure.
1: A hundred percent.
0: So we were talking about the next steps on this. And as we said, we're talking about a two-year sales tax exemption for impact-rated garage doors. And by the way, other doors and windows are also included. But for our audience, we're talking about garage doors. Begins on July 1st this year. We have work to do ahead of this. Would you recommend that we reach out to the governor's office as well to kind of Maybe thank them for their leadership and helping shepherd this through the legislature as well?
1: At this point, sort of the legislature's work on this is done. The bill now gets sent to the governor for approval. And I would definitely recommend reaching out to his office. There's different ways you could do that. The best way is, of course, to go on record and send in an official letter uh, from your organization and. Thank him for his leadership on this issue because this is not something the legislature would have done if they weren't sure that it's something he also would have supported. And I also would recommend, you know, reminding him that there is a right way to do it and to make sure that he includes all the specific language.
0: I think this all makes sense, and obviously, at IDA, we'll be talking with our leadership to see how we can help get this wonderful concept over the finish line to make sure that, as we said, the state of Florida will get what they paid for by investing in this sales tax exemption. So, again. Our guest today has been Mike Fisher with the Legis Group in Tallahassee, Florida, the IDA lobbyist who's been working on this sales tax exemption for now our third legislative cycle. Mike, any other final advice you have for our listeners or for me?
1: No, I don't think so. Uh, thanks for having me on here. I was excited to see this issue uh, work out this year and I think it's a, it's a great concept and it's, you know, we, we were lucky this year, the Florida legislature, like I've said a few times, was really committed to this leadership in both chambers pushed it. Uh, the chief financial officer, Jimmy Petronas, who's also from Panama City and understands the importance of disaster prep. This was a priority for him in his office as well. So this was just a year where it, it sort of all came together and without the great leadership, it wouldn't have.
0: Well, Mike, thanks once again for your help. And I, I'll say here we are in the middle of March, but it, today is Tuesday and I got a text from you on Thursday at 10.32 a.m. saying, guess what? Uh, I think you were caught a little bit off guard, too, that we actually got it through this process. So uh, thank you for all the work that you've done on this issue for IDA. And hopefully we'll be able to get it through the Department of Revenue intact with the language uh, bringing it back to require compliance to the floor of building code provisions for impact-rated doors. And once again, thanks for all the efforts you put on it, and I'm sure we'll be talking soon.
1: Thanks for having me. This
0: is Mike Fisher, IDA Executive Director, signing off from the Winding Bar Cafe. To our listeners, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. We hope you enjoyed today's IDA DoorCast, and we hope to see you soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the IDA DoorCast. Be sure to catch our next episode. For more information about IDA, visit doors.org. See you next time.